This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Ukraine is preparing itself for all possible scenarios. Ukraine's foreign minister, Dmitro Kuleba, laying out a very clear plan for dealing with Russia's aggression. We do not underestimate the threat, nor will we allow Russia to destabilize Ukraine by sowing panic. And the Pentagon has announced it's sending more troops to Ukraine. Because it's important that we send a strong signal to Mr. Putin and, frankly, to the world that NATO matters to the United States. It matters to our allies. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby. And we have ironclad Article 5 commitments. Uh, An attack on one is an attack on, on all. Where the situation stands and where it's going. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP. In Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. The Pentagon announced today it's moving more U.S. forces to Europe to deal with the possible Russian invasion of Ukraine. The troops are going to be based in Poland, Germany, and in Romania. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby explained how the deployment will work. Now, let me lay this out for you in a series of three steps. First, 1,000 soldiers that are currently based in Germany will reposition to Romania in the coming days. Now, this is a, a striker squadron, a mounted cavalry unit that's designed to deploy in short order and to move quickly once in place. And they will augment the some uh, 900 U.S. forces that are currently in Romania. Now, this force is designed to deter aggression and enhance our defensive capabilities in frontline allied states. And we expect them, as I said, to move in coming days. Secretary Austin discussed this repositioning to Romania just last week in his conversation with the Romanian Minister of Defense. And uh, again, I want to stress that this move is coming at the express invitation of the Romanian government. Additionally, we welcome French President Macron's announcement that France intends to deploy forces to Romania under NATO command, which Secretary Austin discussed with the French Defense Minister Florence Parlay just last week. The United States will continue to consult and coordinate with France and all our allies uh, to ensure that we complement each other in our respective deployments. Uh, And, of course, we're going to continue to work through NATO to make appropriate defensive and non-escalatory force posture alignments. Second, we are moving uh, an additional force of about approximately 2,000 troops from the United States to Europe in the next few days. 
The 82nd Airborne Division is deploying components of an infantry brigade combat team and key enablers to Poland. And the 18th Airborne Corps is moving a joint task force capable headquarters to Germany. Now, both of them, as you know, are based in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Collectively, this force is trained and equipped for a variety of missions to deter aggression and to reassure and to defend our allies. Not surprisingly, we work very closely with our Polish and German allies to set the stage for these movements, and we absolutely appreciate their support. Again, these are not permanent moves. They respond to current conditions. We will adjust our posture as those conditions evolve. Third, and finally, all of these forces are separate and in addition to the 8,500 personnel in the United States on heightened alert posture that I announced last week. Those 8,500 are not currently being deployed but remain ready to move if called uh, for the NATO response force or as needed for other contingencies as directed by the secretary or by President Biden. We continue to review our force posture and the situation in Europe, and we will make adjustments as the situation warrants. I also want to take this opportunity to correct some misconceptions around last week's announcement. Uh, NATO as an organization does not have veto power over U.S. Uh, troop deployments, and media reports to the contrary represent a mischaracterization of that. Nothing precludes the United States from making its own decisions on forced, uh, forced movements, uh, including those forces that are being placed on heightened readiness. That said, any movement of U.S. forces involves consultation with the host nation, as we have done with Romania and Poland and Germany prior to today's announcements. And we're mindful of the competing needs of operational security and our obligation to be transparent. And we'll provide you additional information on these and other movements as available and as appropriate. As we have long said, we are continuously reviewing our posture, so there may soon be additional posture decisions to announce, including movements that are part of ongoing military exercises. This is not the sum total of the deterrence actions we will take or those to reassure our allies. I think it won't surprise you we take a theater-wide approach to deterrence and defense, and we welcome the additional announcements for, uh, by Spain, Denmark, the UK, and the Netherlands of their consideration to deploy additional forces to reinforce NATO's eastern flank. The United States has robust capabilities distributed across Europe, including in the Baltic region, and we will continue to assess needs in that area in cooperation with the relevant allies and, of course, the full NATO alliance. We stand united. We have said that repeatedly. We say it again today. These movements are unmistakable signals to the world that we stand ready to reassure our NATO allies and, deter and, and, and defend against any aggression. Now, as the Secretary said Friday, we do not know if Russia has made a final decision to further invade Ukraine. But it clearly has that capability. The Department of Defense will continue to support diplomatic efforts led by the White House and the State Department to press for resolution. We do not believe conflict is inevitable. The United States, in lockstep with our allies and partners, has offered Russia a path to de-escalate. But we will take all prudent measures to assure our own security and that of our allies. Now, finally, just one note. I, uh, I, I note that in the the past few hours, a proposal made by the United States leaked to a European news outlet. We did not make this document public. But now that it is, it confirms to the entire world what we have always been saying, 
There is no daylight between our public statements and our private discussions. NATO and its partners are unified in their resolve and open to constructive and serious diplomacy. The United States has gone the extra mile to find a diplomatic solution. And if Russia actually wants to negotiate a solution as it claims it does, this document certainly makes clear that there is a path forward to do so. The Pentagon press conference came at 10 a.m. local time, and it was just about an hour after a press conference in Kiev by the foreign minister, Dmitro Kuleba. Let me be clear. Ukraine, Ukraine is preparing itself for all possible scenarios. We do not underestimate the threat, nor will we allow Russia to destabilize Ukraine by sowing panic. Despite Russian statements on some kind of limited withdrawal, which we saw a few days ago, we cannot confirm any real decrease in the number of troops. At this moment, by assessment of Ukraine and its partners, this number and composition of forces is not sufficient for a full-scale invasion. However, we keep vigilant, we keep monitoring further dynamics. I want to reiterate, Ukraine calls on Russia to withdraw the troops it amassed near our border, bring them back to their bases, stop intimidating Ukraine and the wider Euro-Atlantic community, and address all issues at the negotiating table only. Kuleba made it crystal clear. Kuleba made it clear Ukraine is aware of what Russia is trying to achieve and what's necessary to stop them. Where are we? Speaking of the wider context, I'm confident that Russia's war on Ukraine and wider Europe will ultimately end when two fundamental issues are resolved. First, the West should turn from reactive to proactive strategies when dealing with Russia. Putin and his associates keep demanding everyone to explain, I quote, how partners understand their obligation not to strengthen their own security at the expense of the security of other states. End of quote. This is demanded by Russia, a country that invaded Georgia and occupied part of its land, a country which invaded Ukraine and occupied Crimea and Donbass, killed over 14,000 people in Ukraine, continuous cyber attacks against other countries and disinformation campaigns and extrajudicial killings in NATO and EU countries. So in fact, it's the West that should be asking Russia such questions. When will Russia explain to all of us how Euro-Atlantic security will be guaranteed and secured from Russian expansionism? I insist that Russia cannot guarantee its security at the expense of the security of Ukraine and other countries. Back at the Pentagon, Press Secretary John Kirby seemed to be addressing Kuleba's point about being proactive when it comes to dealing with Russia. Kirby was asked why the U.S. is sending more troops to Europe. Because it's important that we send a strong signal to Mr. Putin and, frankly, to the world that NATO matters to the United States. It matters to our allies. And we have ironclad Article 5 commitments. Uh, An attack on one is an attack on all. And so... uh, we know that uh, that uh, that he also bristles uh, at NATO uh, about NATO, um, and uh, he has made the, no secret of that. Um, we are making it clear 
that we're going to be prepared to defend our NATO allies if it comes to that. Hopefully it won't come to that. Nobody wants to see, as I said, conflict's not inevitable. There's no reason for, uh, there, th for there to be armed conflict in Ukraine or anywhere else on the European continent. And Mr. Putin uh, can go a long way to, to serving that end uh, by taking seriously the proposals that we have put forward diplomatically and by de-escalating through moving some of those troops away. Meantime, Kuleba had already pointed out, not long before Kirby did, a strong signal was necessary to be sent to Moscow. In 2010, Ukraine passed a law clearly stating that it was a non-aligned country that had no intention of joining any military alliance. There was no nationwide public discussion of NATO membership at that time. The Euromaidan protests centered not on the military alliance, but on economic and political integration with the EU. When I now hear the flawed argument that Ukraine's neutrality could make Putin less aggressive, I wonder how. It did not stop, it did not stop him from attacking us in 2014, so it is hard to see why it would stop him now. Russia's indicated its key concern about Ukraine is the possibility that someday it could join NATO and expand the West towards the East. That could come in the distant future, but Kuleba seemed to suggest maybe it should happen sooner than later. Ambiguity on Ukraine's role as an indivisible part of the West has to be put to an end. The Ukrainian people chose this course and defended it at a high price. We are historically, politically, and culturally a part of the West. It is time to end harmful ambiguity which serves as a temptation for the Kremlin to continue its attempts to undermine Ukraine or reverse its course against the will of the Ukrainian people. Furthermore, it is in the strategic interest of the West itself to institutionalize Ukraine as its indivisible part. Ukraine is a valuable partner that contributes to security, peace, prosperity, and stability in wider Europe. Meanwhile, Pentagon spokesman John Kirby was laying out more reasons why NATO, the U.S., and Ukraine have to confront Vladimir Putin. What, what, we, what we see is uh, clear evidence every day that he continues to destabilize the environment by adding more forces into the western part of his country and around, along Belarus in addition to uh, uh, additional naval activity uh, in the Mediterranean and the North Atlantic. So he clearly is providing himself many op options, lots more capabilities for exactly what purpose we don't know right now. And because we don't know exactly what his purpose is, we want to make sure we're ready on the NATO front to defend our allies. Back to Ukraine and Kuleba. What can be done? In order to answer it, we have to look at what happened last spring. Russia built up its military infrastructure near Ukrainians, Ukraine's border and tested the reaction of the West. You remember that spring escalation. Then it announced it ended the exercises, but the infrastructure largely remained in place. It was on a standby mode until November last year when Russia rolled out additional military infrastructure and brought more troops near the Ukrainian border and in our temporarily occupied territories. 
Russia has never explained the reason for such actions except saying that it can move forces freely around its territory. And this inability to explain their actions is because there is no real reason for them and have never been one, except Russia putting pressure on Ukraine and wider Euro-Atlantic space, threatening a new war during a still raging pandemic and putting forward bizarre and illegitimate ultimatums. Kuleba addressed Russia's long-known capacity for conducting what's known as hybrid warfare, meaning it's not just bombs and bullets that they threatened the West and, and even its neighbors with, but there's all sorts of other tools that they use. And Kuleba says they've used them all against Ukraine. I want to stress that Russia uses not only military force to pressure Ukraine. It also invests heavily in destabilizing our country from within. This includes disinformation, cyber attacks, fake bomb threats, attempts to sow distrust and ferment popular unrest, attempts to divide Ukraine and its partners. As we wait for the other shoe to drop, or for Russia's decision on what to do about Ukraine, Kirby made it clear the U.S. can adjust to whatever Russia does. We hold the option open of additional force movements if that's desired and needed. Um, uh, So the steps I'm talking about today um, uh, uh, could very well be preliminary steps to future ones that we might take. Um, And to your other question about, you know, is that enough? uh, Again, I think it's worth reminding that Romania, as a sovereign state, has their own military uh, and a very capable one at that. Um, And it's not just the United States sending a striker squadron. As I mentioned earlier, the the French are going to be sending additional troops. I'll let them speak to what they're going to do and on what timeline and and, and how much. And as I also said in my opening statement, other countries uh, are likewise um, uh, moving forward to provide uh, bolstering capabilities to NATO allies on the eastern flank. And while the Kremlin has made every attempt to try to divide the U.S., NATO, and Ukraine— It's very clear, according to Kuleba, it's not working. Here, I would like to specifically stress that Ukraine and our partners, including the United States, have no difference in assessing risks of current Russian escalation. The tone of voice of our messages may sound different, but the actual assessment is the same. Everything is possible, and we should be preparing for every possible scenario. There's a lot about this story that we don't know, and a lot's going to be happening, most likely over the next few weeks. But here's one thing that we have learned. One source, a Russian exile living in the U.S. who knows Vladimir Putin's habits pretty well, says, my take is Putin has painted himself into a corner, and he wants to reach some type of deal with Biden, which will allow him to save face. But he can't save face right now. It appears as though the Americans, the source says, don't want him to save face. They want to rub his nose in it. And he says this may lead to a war. Whether it will or not, we don't know. We'll have to wait and see. A couple of more pieces of news. You can find more details about these upcoming stories at TUSA Podcast. That's our Twitter handle. And you can also find out more about them at Inside the Skiff on Twitter. The FBI is warning businesses that an infamous cyber crime group that's behind the 
dark side and black matter ransomware operations has sent malicious USB devices to companies across the country in the past few months. The objective is to try to infect their systems with malware and carry out future attacks. But the FBI is warning businesses that this group called Fin7 is behind this and that they should not fall for it. Also, the CIA and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence has released a, an interim report about what's causing those Havana Syndrome-like attacks. Today, there's another piece of information they put out that seems to add a little bit more context to it. And what they seem to be saying is that there's a strong possibility that external devices may be responsible for Havana Syndrome. Again, more of these stories are coming out on our Twitter handle, at TUSA Podcast, and at Inside the Skiff. You can find out more details about this and much, much more there when the newsletter comes out on Thursday. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode, North Korea and its new weapons. A conversation with one of the nation's preeminent experts about what their new hypersonic missiles, their nuclear weapons, and all of their missile sets mean for the future. Over the years, we've underestimated, uh, and I think we need to really do a, a deep dive on this for lessons learned, we've underestimated North Korea's capabilities to either fabricate nuclear weapons, uh, or whether it was through plutonium and then through highly enriched uranium, we said they never would have highly enriched uranium, and then we questioned their ability to have sophisticated nuclear weapons. A conversation with former U.S. Special Envoy to North Korea, Joe Detrani. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa, jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at wtop.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.